Okay, everybody, we are here again for another episode of Iron Radio. This is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach. I run Strength Guild. I'm also a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. Gearing up for my next meet. I think I got six weeks of training left. Ooh. So we're getting down in the fun time. So. Nice. And this is in uh, a suit, right? It is my up second meet in a suit in Columbus, Ohio, if anybody's interested. So come on out to Columbus. Watch me lift things. Nice. <laughs> I was Dr. Mike Nelson. I'm an associate professor at the Kerrigan Institute, created the Flex Diet certification, and yeah, just out here in California, was doing some filming for a 12-week men's program. So I did the nutrition, a little bit of the exercise stuff, and my other buddy Angelo and Ryan did the exercise filming and the sort of the men's development, personal development mindset portion. So. Super excited for that. Not sure when it'll come out. Hopefully later this year yet. So, yeah. Nice. Traveling again. Yeah. 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 I was not on last week, so we were in South Dakota. Uh, so I'll be back home. And then I'll be home for a little while. Then Montana shortly. And then we'll be down in South Padre, Texas again. Doing a grip nice. competition down there. October... 23rd and then down in South Padre for a while hanging out doing some kiteboarding yeah you hang out there kind of when it gets cold don't you yeah it works out nice that the the better winds are in the kind of transition times I mean there's wind there all summer too it's just really hot yeah. um, and lots of people yeah and yeah I don't want to be around <laughs> all the people <laughs> so it, it works out perfect it's like oh it's starting to get achy in Minnesota we'll go down there and it's off season there so it's you know, cheap and windy, so perfect. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go to Montana again. We decided we're going to do our Christmas up there. And I'm going to oh, get on okay. the snow. I'm going to get on the ski slopes for the first time since hip replacement. So oh. it should be interesting. Bridger Bowl or where at? Uh, Big Sky. Oh, okay. Yeah, Big Sky. See how it goes. Teach the kids how to do it. Yeah. Olivia's done it once. Odin's never has. I'm worried about him going all. That kid's nonstop, man. He's so, crazy. <laughs> yeah, as long as I'm just worried about him listening and not just going, see you later, Dad. And he just goes flying down the mountain. But Maybe you'll uh, you stick him on one of those little leashes so he can't go too fast. Exactly. Then he'll <laughs> go a tree. <laughs> but you got some studies for us? The internet blew up again? Yeah, my, my coach Susie was telling me about this one because I've been trying to be off the internet a little bit more, but... Um, yeah, and so I checked into it, and it appears the internet lost its mind again. So, uh, so this one is from uh, it's a perspective from ASN. It's in the let me get the actual uh, title. I just had it here, uh, but yeah, it's an American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. The carbohydrate insulin model: a physiologic perspective on the obesity pandemic. So cool title, and if you don't know anything about nutrition per se, or you're limited in scope, I understand how you could read it and you're like, wow, this is pretty good. This is published in a pretty high level journal. It's got 169 references. It's got mm. cool little graphics and it kind of makes, a, I would say, a somewhat logical argument however normally 
if you know the authors and their background. So the first thing I look at is, you know, what journal was it published? And, you know, pretty high-level journal. I'm a member there, and I like most of the stuff they put out. I then look at the author list. Uh, the first author is uh, David Ludwig. And you read through the rest, and you're like, oh, like the people that you may have heard of here would be Gary Tobbs, uh, Jeff Bullock, uh, Eric Westman, I think, is on here, too. I should probably double-check that before I say that. Mm. Um, and then you start going, oh, I, I don't know, because most of the stuff that's come out from their lab was very... Carbohydrates are evil and insulin will kill you, that type of model. Yeah. And if you read it, you're like, okay, it's not, not really written too bad. I mean, it's a pretty decent argument. However, when you go through the reference list, in my opinion, it's incredibly skewed, right? So a lot of the data that they're basing it off is earlier data. But to me, this is like a really good example of just errors by omission. They didn't really include a lot of the other human randomized controlled outcome-based trials. Um, and they didn't include, as far as I could tell, again, I'd have to go back and double-check to be 100% sure, some of the work that is in a metabolic chamber. So if you look at studies, right, you can have sort of um, real-world validation or you can have kind of lab mechanistic type validation right so internal or external uh, validity and the argument is that okay if we have this metabolic chamber and we literally measure everything that goes into it we're measuring the heat you know the calories you consume how much you move we lock people in this you know, smaller than a tiny dorm room and we even look at the air that goes in like the amount of oxygen and co2 which allows us to determine what fuels their body is burning and we can determine, you know, calories and changes. And what they find time and time again when you do that, <clears throat> even if you do a ketogenic type diet, that calories matter, right? If you eat more calories, you're going to gain weight. Now, again, this is total um, looking at everything, right? So it is true that if you eat more calories, your metabolic rate can go up. And some people that may... Uh, eliminate the increased calories they consume some people it doesn't but at some point if you eat enough calories no matter how much your metabolic rate goes up you're going to add them to your body so what we find is hey the second law of physics still works no shocker there uh, but then people cry that oh well that's a horrible model because no one's going to live their life like that they're not going to account for everything <laughs> they're not going to live in a metabolic chamber which is 100 percent correct um, so then you look at even studies that are longer on free-living humans, and you find that, in general, the same thing still holds true, although there's a lot of other uh, factors there that you kind of have to live with not being as precise, right? Humans are pretty bad at uh, logging food and recording what they eat and keeping track of all their movement, etc. But you still find that, in general, if you equate for protein levels, that calories still matter. And I think what they're trying to argue here is that, uh, no, they don't. It's insulin and all these other hormones, and they're talking about a low GI diet and a high GI diet. And some of the studies and things that they're referring to are, in my opinion, just very 
flawed. Um, lots of uh, rodent studies, um, they even cite here uh, rodent studies of high fat diets contradict the calories in model. So, yeah, I my thing is with this is in short, I don't know who the hell the peer reviewers were on this is the first thing I thought of. <laughs> I'm like, okay, like how how did this get published in like a pretty decent journal, you know? Um and then they've got, it's funny, they did a little historical rundown in a table, and they've got um, quotes of just random studies that they pulled out. But some of these are, like, super old. And again, if old studies, that doesn't necessarily invalidate them. Um, but, like, 1957, a restriction of carbohydrate intake removes a stimulus to insulin production, so that the fat storage activity of insulin will be held to a minimum. Uh, fat will be mobilized from adipose deposits of the body, oxidized to ketones and liver, and circulating tissue in this easily combustible form. Um, it has been long known that while carbohydrates can be readily converted to fat in the body, uh, fat cannot be converted into carbohydrates in any significant amount. So stuff like that, in, in general, is it's true, but they kind of use all these little arguments to lead you to believe that the, uh, the the model that we have is not correct. And I would agree that on some of the mechanistic stuff, it might not be correct, and it's probably the best that we have um, here. But lastly, on one of their, their lines here, they said, premature claims to have falsified or refuted the calories in model based on weak and confounded evidence impede constrictive scientific discourse. Controversy notwithstanding, important common ground may already exist, for instance, hardwired hedonic food preferences, etc. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, I like reviews, I think they're, they're nice, but when you just leave out a whole bunch of studies just because they don't really fit your model, then I think you're just making everyone more confused. So the average person now is going to go online and they're going to look and go, wow, a bunch of these people are really mad and think calories still matter. Oh, but look at this study from all these scientists. There's like, you know, what is it, like a dozen on this paper mm -hmm. from this well, you know, peer-reviewed journal. So they can't all be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they're left with like, uh, I don't know, I'm just going to go do low carb again because I like it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Any tough. comments on on that? No, I mean, it's just it seems like we're, we're perpetually set into this state of confusion at all times on purpose. That's <laughs> what it, it feels old. like. <laughs> and it's not in just nutrition; like no. it's in everything. It's like, oh god. And I know I understand that's part of science. Like science yeah. isn't. But, oh, man, to the layman, it's like, let's put things out there when we kind of know and back it up. <laughs> you know, like this, they didn't back this up at all. You yeah. Know, like you said. And it's, it's so backed up. It just it helps lead to more confusion. So but it's, it's yeah, like, but it's with omitting data. You know, yes, it's like you exactly. Can't, you can't just put all the data you want in there and just be like, oh, all this other stuff, you know. 
Yeah, no, and I mean, I learned that in statistics class, and it's one of the classes I'm glad I decided to take because I didn't have to. <laughs> and it was like, it just showed you how you could, you can literally make anything look right yeah. if you skew things the and right way. Pour through the data enough. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, God. But, yeah. yeah, and even that I know is confusing. Like, years ago when I worked for a cardiac med tech company, we had a potential issue we were investigating, and I was on the internal uh, board that was looking at it. And we had our own in-house, you know, very high level, super smart, you know, PhD in statistics, had worked in medical stuff for quite a while. And we wanted to make sure that we got this correct. So we actually hired as a temp uh, consultant, another PhD in statistics who'd work in the medical field. And we had a meeting every day. And for 30 days in a row, I got to watch these two stats PhD guys argue with each other literally over the same data mm-hmm. about well we should do this analysis and not that analysis well that's analysis is only valid here and what about this and then we should do this and that and i went oh man if stuff gets really yeah. complicated here's two phds in stats who can't agree on what the best method is to do yeah yeah i'm kind of screwed at anything that goes really balls deep <laughs> in stats <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly so, so I always, oh, when I do peer reviews, I get a little nervous when I look at the study design and then I look at some fancy pants, weird stat thing they did when you could just do something very simple. And then when you run the calcs on the simple thing, it doesn't turn out to be significant. I'm like, external stat review. <laughs> Don't mm. pass. Because <laughs> I'm like, that just, what are you doing? Like, you you don't need to get that fancy here. I just get the impression you're trying to hide something from me. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. In other news. Oh, the got, fight. Uh, no, I was going to do something else first. Oh, okay. The Arnold Classic is today. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the Ooh. one that no one knows about. Um, it's I'm on their site. It's free webcast starting in an hour and a half. What are they so, webcasting? The bodybuilding. Oh, okay. Free judging begins at 10 a.m. And the more I look at it, it looks it's just that. All Basically, all they got going on is the Arnold Classic, Classic Seat, Fitness International, Bikini International. Oh, okay. Huh. And that's it. Like, all the other events are just not happening. So. Wow. And I don't even know if you can, you can go. I don't think you can. Oh. But I'm not sure, Coda, or you. I think they're just, oh, there's tickets, but it's probably just. It's for the shows. Yeah. Yeah. And like, Obviously, no, no expo. expo. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Packages, prejudging, final admissions. Yeah. I mean, you can buy premium floor seating, it looks like, but I mean, I can't imagine it's going to be a, a small percentage of the show it normally is. Yeah. Which makes me question why are you even doing it? And why'd you push it up so early? That's the part to me that seems yeah. weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, and like, I'm sorry, you know, I'm pretty entrenched in this fitness field, and I have been for like a couple decades. Yeah. And one would think I shouldn't have to accidentally go to the Arnold website and find out it's happening. Yeah, I, I don't freaking <laughs> <You> know. know. <laughs> you know, we should have heard something about it, you know. So they've done a poor job of uh, just getting the word out there, but... 
we'll see. I mean, I'm just wondering if this is going to be like one of those shows that has an asterisk on it because mm. did they even tell the competitors soon enough? Yeah. To get ready. You know? Oh, yeah. Just, oh, whoever's ready, show up and you might win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know, it's hard to tell because there was just no word about it. For the longest time, it was just indefinitely postponed. So, yeah, and I don't know anyone that's doing the, you know, the physique or the bodybuilding side. <laughs> I only knew like a couple of the strength athletes, so I don't I don't know when they were notified or anything. Yeah, exactly. so I don't know either, but I mean, you'd think the world would know. Like the fitness community, it, normally right. when the Arnold is coming, the whole fitness community knows. Yeah. And gears up for them. So it'll be interesting. Hmm. But no, the other thing I wanted to touch on was the fights um, that we talked about. So Half Thor and, and all those people threw down. And uh, we'll, we'll go in reverse order, I suppose, uh, on the card. And Ted, one, the one everybody wants to hear about. So Half Thor devastated Lorat or whatever his name, Devon Lorat. And I didn't know this. They had a past. Um, oh, really? Yes. So the reason they fought is because. Devon Lorette was the arm wrestling world champion. And several years ago, he beat Half Thor in arm wrestling. Oh, interesting. So they're like, okay, well, let's, he's one of the few people that have beat him in anything, so let's just pick him real quick because they had a past. Um, mm. uh, it was not close. It, was, <laughs> uh, uh, it got called with like 20 seconds left. And, you know... There was a couple shots thrown by the other guy, but I mean, it was still super obvious. It's two people that aren't professional boxers, yeah. uh, which and is he said fine. twenty seconds uh, left in the first round, correct? Yes, yes. Like he <laughs> didn't finish the first round. Yeah. And he, the judge called it TKO. So uh, you could tell. Thor, I mean, Half Thor has some. He got some weight behind his punches. Yeah. He outweighed the guy by like fifty pounds. Oof. But uh, and i don't know how much height but a lot so yeah. a definite weight and reach advantage but uh so so that went down and then i'm just going to touch on the ones that people like in the lifting community yeah. would be interested in uh, uh jacob hepner and josh bridges who are both higher level crossfitters fought and that came down to a decision hmm. with hepner winning oh, okay Said after the fight, Hepner or Josh kind of made it clear that this is probably his only time doing this. But uh, I don't know how much money these guys made. But I, like I've talked to people, like give me a million dollars, I'm stepping in there with anybody. So yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh no. I'll, I'll go get beat up for a million bucks. Um, and then the one I watched the most was uh, the Steffi Cohen versus Marcella Nato, and that's I think I probably had most interest in this one because. It seems like Steffi has a definite interest in actually learning to box. Yeah, um, I mean, she put a lot of work and time into it. Yeah, and I mean, the lifestyle that her and Hayden have, you know, let themselves have, like, she has the time to do it. Totally. Uh, so, and I, from what I know, I don't know personally, but, like, she hired the Bex boxing coach in Florida and things like that. And, yeah. and they have uh, money to pay for coaches, which, you know, yeah, is exactly. good. Yeah, exactly. You got to pay for time. <laughs> so... I mean, she looked good. Uh, the only part that I, the only part that I was down on, and I'm down on this with any of these, when somebody outside of of a sport steps into that sport professionally, my wish is that professional in that sport would not hold back. Yeah. 
because in my mind it does not and this is happening a lot right now the only reason i'm picking on boxing is because of this but it's also happening a lot right now in boxing mm. you're seeing these people do these exhibition matches with like some of the greatest in the world or and some of them are retired but still like i'm under no delusion that if i stepped in the ring with 50 some year old mike tyson that he would just ruin me. oh god <laughs> um, i wouldn't even you know, get in the and, same city as him <laughs> yeah. the, the part that bothers me is i think it, it really discounts the athletes that boxers are yeah they come in and half-ass it and let these people from oh look she hung in there you know even though they didn't win or whatnot uh in my mind is i want to see one of these Men, men or women just come in and annihilate them. It's like, that's what you get for stepping in my ring. And yeah. if I stepped in your ring, the same thing would happen to me. Right. Yeah. She went <laughs> and competed in powerlifting. You know. you know. Yeah, like if she competed in powerlifting, there's no reason it should be close. Right. I mean, because that's the sport you've trained in for 10, 15 years. Yeah. But to me, as an outside viewer, it just looked like the Marcelo Neto, like she was fighting a lot of the fight with no guard up and things mm. like that. And I'm sorry, I can't believe she'd do that if she no. was in there fighting all the who'd been a professional for as long as her. Yeah, that just... Uh, I don't know much about boxing, but I know that sounds weird. <laughs> yeah. So that's the only part that bothers me. And good on Steffi. I mean, it came down to a majority draw. It wasn't uh, what it ended up being. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see where she can take this. And she came out and said, this is just a stepping stone. I'm going to do more. So good. I want to hmm. see her get in and get better. Like her footwork was definitely better than the last fight I watched her hers. Nice. And things like that. She's looking like a boxer. And for a hundred and twelve pound person or whatever it is, she packs yeah. she packs some power. You know? Oh and yeah. She's strong. If she can turn that due to her past in in strength training, holy crap, she could be a hell of a force. So it'd be awesome to see if she can make that transition totally. Yeah. Um and get in the ring and I want to see some real fights. You know, let's get away from the four round. Let's do a real fight now. You've done two kind of exhibition things so right let's get after it but maybe during no the, i think but if you think about boxing as a sport like i mean again i'm not a huge fan of boxing per se i just don't follow it i don't have anything against it but yeah. it wasn't like the big knock against boxing for many years that everything was rigged and that they yeah. kind of lost fans because no one really wants to watch something that's predetermined right i mean that's yeah. part of the excitement you know exactly. when you have these exhibitions you're like well i don't know she's pretty strong she's been training for it um she's not a professional boxer but i don't know maybe maybe that makes a difference like the early you know ufc yeah. where you just put anyone against anyone because yes. yeah. there's that bit of you don't know what's going to happen which i think people want to see that and yeah. humans want to see chaos and train wrecks you know yeah. and when that there's kind of pulled out if everybody thinks it's already predetermined and fixed then you're just like you know yeah, i think you're they're... gonna lose interest yeah or if you have people after the fights coming out and like the professionals comes out and says yeah i was purposely holding back it was what right. they told me to do it's right. just a payoff right it's like come on man that's <sighs> that's not helping anybody no so, no i mean honestly i'd rather see him come out and just murder him that's fun to watch yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i think that's why people tune in because yeah, there's exactly. enough of these exhibitions where it's, it's, it's kind of an unknown because it's new yeah. you're like well, i don't know maybe maybe okay maybe well yeah that's like even the thing with half Thor and, and devon i mean like he he came out and just said dude i suck yeah i suck, I suck. <laughs> i'm the worst boxer in the world he said but if I, I could get lucky and that's true yeah on any given day he might just throw one punch that comes through and it's over when you're yep. talking about two guys that big oh yeah you know 
you know, it could ju- it could be one punch and just oh, you hit him right in the right spot. Yep. You know? But and that's the fun part of it. But but I mean, look at it. I mean, look at when boxing in our lifetime was arguably it's it's most popular. It was when Tyson was coming out and killing people in like 18 seconds. Yeah. You know, and people paid a ton for that. Oh you know? yeah. And they always said, "Oh, I'm not buying the next one." He always wins in 12 seconds. But then they bought the next one. You know, right. they really wanted to see the train wreck. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'd love yeah. to see that stuff. Plus, Tyson was crazy. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, he was. Yeah, exactly. So you but never that gives it that happen. that you know perception of the unknown of like, what's he gonna do next? <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, boy. But, yeah, so we'll see. I'm sure we're going to see. I don't know. It seems like the latest craze, and I don't know if this is a – like, there's tons of these exhibition boxing matches going on right now. And, hmm. like, in the fitness world, the things I'm seeing is a lot of people getting into boxing from, like, powerlifting and strength sports. Hmm. And a lot of people getting into the physique sports all of a sudden. So yeah, I don't I've know seen what a lot that more is, transfer of that, especially on like the women's side. Yes, there's a ton right now, and I'm, I'm not sure what it is. Is it a push from, you know, are they getting sponsored and pushing people that way to try to bring bodybuilding back up, you know, because they're, you know, they're going after these girls like, uh, oh, like a Steffi that has a big following mm-hmm. already, and well, let's see if we can get these people to follow this sport, you know, to push it back up. I don't know, but there's enough of that happening, it seems odd. Because boxing is not boxing is not a sport that just everybody wants to do. Not a lot of people like getting hit in the face. No, <laughs> you know. So it's like, why all of a sudden are all these people doing it? Uh, aside from, I mean, follow the money. You know, you throw out seven zeros and yeah. get a lot of people to do a lot of things. So, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've been trained a, a female. She was mostly doing powerlifting, and she did a boxing match a couple of weeks ago. It was you know, more of a local, you know, um, just a local type thing, you know, and I wasn't doing mm-hmm. her boxing training. I was just doing her, you know, on the fitness side to make sure she's prepared for that. And, you know, she's like, yeah, it was just something I always, you know, kind of wanted to do to see if I could do it. I'm like, yeah, I understand that. That That's cool. Um, for but sure. It's just yeah, I mean, I was training for one. Interesting how it's reason. trending. Yeah. Yep. But all of a sudden it's like big. And that, and the, like I said, the physique thing. But, uh. No, we'll see. We'll see where it ends up. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if uh, the one I'm not sure about is the physique side of things. Like, can it make a comeback? I'm not sure it can ever be what it was. Um, yeah. Just how entrenched the like people are pretty entrenched in the whole what I can do now more than what I look like. Like, like what I look like is always going to be a percentage. Oh, yeah. I mean, no matter what, it just will. And anybody that says that, even if you're a powerlifter or a strongman, they give a shit. You know, oh, of course. Even, even Brian Shaw wants to look okay in the mirror. Yeah. You know, uh, you know even though he's 400 and some pounds. So. Yeah. Uh, but no, it'll be interesting to see where this stuff goes. And I think everybody's waiting for like this Bjornsson versus Eddie Hall fight. Still, I think that'll be much bigger. This one was just kind of a. I don't think people got too excited about it. Yeah. Uh, well, with Eddie screwing up his bicep, I think they still had a. Toss somebody in the ring because they already yeah, had they everything scheduled. Really. So yeah, to kind of keep going yeah, forward. Yep, move forward, find somebody. But um, yeah, we'll see. Put Butterbean in there with him or something. <laughs> Butterbean versus Half Thor. <laughs> the same weight, but oh, that's true. Yeah, on the physique sports uh, or even bodybuilding, it's 
I don't know if it's just a cyclic type return or if there's more kind more of pro cards and there's more divisions and I said on the female side you know I trained a couple of physique competitors and you know there's a wellness division now and so there's all mm -hmm. sorts of different divisions with different looks and different organizations and yeah I don't know yeah. it's interesting we should line up a show where it'll be a double header like me and Lonnie can box each other and then we'll have a showdown on the the uh, we'll pose out. There you course. go. <laughs> It'll be a dual-headed competition. <laughs> well, that's what they used to do, as you know, like way back in the day. Like bodybuilding, just as uh, appearance, was not a thing. Right? If you go no, back to like the early nineteen hundreds, yeah. you know, before like nineteen was it probably before nineteen fifty-eight? I think I can't remember when they they broke off. But <clears throat> I mean, you were doing. You know, strength stuff, you were doing feats of strength, you know, odd objects, you know, hand balancing, kind of what looks like sort of gymnastic-y type stuff. That was, I mean, the thing was, you know, can you be in, you know, all around, you know, performance-based uh, person and still look good? You know, that was kind of the thing, so. Yeah. Oh, that was the deal. I mean, like you said, it was a... There'd be those like old timey strongman shows, and then following yeah. that up would be a physique thing. So yeah, it'd be kind of cool. But maybe that'll come back at some point. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. But no, I, I, we're, we're I highly doubt it. <laughs> we're dreaming, but no. I mean, anything else going on? Um, not too much. I haven't uh, been on L Internet all that all that much. So that's smart of you. Yeah, after uh, the <clears throat> the physiologic flexibility cert, I try to only go on Instagram once a day if I can, just to check messages, and sometimes I don't even have time to get back to people. Um, but I've realized, like, during the launches, I try to be on there more often because people have questions, and I usually yeah. try to post more content and stuff. And, man, like, once it closes, I feel like I gave myself squirrel brain for, like, three days. Because <laughs> you forget, yeah. like, how fast and how much task switching you end up doing then during the day of like mm -hmm. well I'll just poke on there and see if someone had a question and you only got a day left or whatever and then you find yourself with these like intermittent periods of time like just grabbing your phone and going on the internet before you even know what you're doing yeah and so I've been trying trying not to not to do that it was interesting I've been running each morning to literally go get a donut from this amazing donut shop out here <laughs> oh it's like the custard bismarck so good there you go. um so i would sit outside and you know eat my donut drink my coffee and it's crazy to watch how many people would sit outside you know eating a donut of some form and they're like scrolling through their phone like at the same time mm -hmm. and i'm thinking like enjoy your donut for crying out loud like you I don't know. It's just yeah. weird that like people seem to be very uncomfortable with any space or gaps downtime. or downtime like at all. Like walking down the street, like you almost run into people whose face is like just buried in their phone. It's not like they switch their podcast or <clears throat> did something or they're looking at directions. Like you watch them and their their face is stuck in their phone for like miles. It seems. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely a change in our lifetime. And I mean, that's that's the other reason we've been 
like doing this purposeful outside stuff a lot. Yeah. Uh, going camping and stuff like that. And we just, we even try to go to places because, well, me and my wife as adults can put them down. Mm-hmm. But the kids, it's harder. So it's easier for us. We just, like, okay, we need to find spots they can't get on. Yeah. And that's what we do. We, we find places that just have no service. It's like, ah, you got no choice. Enjoy nature. Yeah. <laughs> here's nature, so, kids. <laughs> and, yep, here's nature. You have to interact with it or just sit there and pout. So, yeah. Uh, it's your two choices. So uh, it's good for people, man. It's People don't get away enough, man. So. Yeah, that's why I'm uh, obviously I'm biased towards you know kiteboarding, but just mm-hmm. go outside, do a sport. If you can learn a new skill at the same time, <clears throat> hey, even better. You know something yep. that just forces your brain to focus on the task that you're doing. And I think having a little bit of a cost associated with that is a good transition, right? So if you're learning to the kiteboard, like the second you kind of check out from what you're doing, like something bad's probably going to happen. Like you're probably going to go flying off your board or go splat into the water, you know. So you get that kind of instant feedback, but yet you're learning a new skill and doing something different, you know, more balance associated and just using different parts of your brain too. Yeah. yeah. We're going to talk more on the study, Mike, and trying to flesh this out a bit more. So head us off, Mike. Yeah. <clears throat> to me, I know, like, the whole fitness industry is screwed when you can't even agree on, like, the <clears throat> the basics of physics. It's like, <clears throat> wait a minute. And the, it's even more amazing of, like, okay, how many of you people arguing about this, one, even read the study, yeah. two, have read any other studies to know what was left out, and then once you actually get into arguing about physics, like... How many of you took heat transfer thermodynamics? And not very many because I get it. Like when I did my PhD in exercise phys, it was mostly metabolism. We didn't take, I mean, we did basic stuff, but, you know, we didn't take advanced thermodynamics or heat transfer or anything like that. It's just not part of the curriculum because it's not specific to that field. Um, Unfortunately, when I did my master's in mechanical engineering, I had to suffer through all those classes and derive all the equations. I, my published research was actually on a computer-generated model of heat transfer in a monkey head. So we were zapping uh, monkeys with microwaves, or at least simulated <laughs> testing of that. And yeah, what you find out is that, yeah, physics still works. Shocker. <laughs> yeah. But I think it gets confusing because people are like, oh, well, if we just feed people more calories, then why doesn't everybody gain weight? And it's because the calories in portion modifies the calories out portion. And then the calories out portion modifies the calories in portion, right? So you've got all these, you know, feedbacks, you know, going on. But that doesn't mean at the end of the day that the calories don't matter. And that gets even more confusing when you look at something like protein. Most people are like, oh, well... If you just eat a ton of protein, you can still lose weight. And that's true. Like, Jose Antonio has done some, you know, granted with self-report studies, you know, feeding humans, males, 300 to 400 grams of protein a day. And Mm -hmm. they didn't really gain any more muscle, per se, than the higher protein arm, but they didn't really get any fatter either. Yeah. But then if you look at the mechanics of protein and how all the 
different steps and energy that goes into it to try to convert protein into fat, it's just incredibly energy inefficient. So it doesn't mean that the calories don't matter. It's just that, yeah, the kind of type that you eat does matter. But yes. then you get into, you know, fat and carbohydrates, and then people take that a little bit too far. And, you know, the reality is with some of the mechanisms, we're still probably dealing with an incomplete picture of what's going on, right? So we know some stuff, but other stuff, eh, maybe we're not entirely sure, right? So simple things like we used to think that if you ate a lot of carbohydrates that that would be converted into fat in the liver, a process called DNL, the novo lipogenesis. It turns out that in healthy humans, this is based on some tracer studies, that conversion rate's not really that high, you know, maybe single digits. Um, however, that doesn't mean that the calories don't matter because they're still going somewhere else. And I think mm -hmm. in the physique world, everybody just gets hyper-focused on body composition. So obviously yeah. I'm, you know, biased to metabolic flexibility, so I've got, you know, certification on it and just stuff saying that, yeah, if your insulin's more like a fuel selector, if insulin's high, you're going to use carbohydrates. If it's lower, you're going to use, you know, more fat and some of the different mechanisms around that. But then people lose their mind when they like only read that portion and then send me mm -hmm. wonderful emails about how I'm doing everyone a disservice and that I believe everything Gary Taub says and I should shut up with all the mechanistic stuff. And I'm like, but that's actually what's going on. That is actually <laughs> true. And they're like, but you didn't talk about body composition. I'm like, but it's in the context of an article explaining what's going on. So you're yeah. left with this weird thing where on... The one side, if you talk about anything mechanistic and you don't keep yelling that calories matter the whole time, then they assume you're on the other side. Yeah. And then the other side just goes batshit crazy with all the mechanisms and then forgets like the big picture. So, Yeah, and that comes down to people, I've, people love picking a tribe. And the problem with nutrition oh, and yeah. everything else is like literally all of it works. Oh, sure. Like low carb works, high carb works freaking balanced diet works and it's just finding out what works best for you in this certain situation yeah everybody wants one thing Every, everybody wants just one thing especially they want their dogma to work yeah you know, whatever they currently believe in they really want that to be the one thing that everybody should do um and and it's just never it'll never be true you know i mean like even me now at 40 soon to be 45 and training in powerlifting and just the way my body's changed and how my training has changed since multiple surgeries and things like that. And like what I eat has changed a ton. Oh, just sure. I have changed, you know, I've gotten older. I can't train as often. I can train as hard, but you know, if I go back to eating what I did at 30, I'd be floating over a football stadium filming for you guys. <laughs> you know? It's just how it is. I just can't do it. And but at one point that was the right thing for me. Um, now if I got caught in my own dogma, like that's the only way to do it as a powerlifter, and it's like, well, you know, I'm gonna short myself. So that's that's one of the bigger problems. Oh, and then you said physics. Like I, I couldn't. I've been stating that as long as I could. It's like anybody that is dealing with nutrition and training at all, 
get yourself at least a elementary background. Yes. It, you just need it. You yes. know? And and too many people don't. They have no understanding of physics at all. And like, yeah, we're a machine. It can be applied to you in certain ways. So um you know, you don't need to go get a PhD. No. But at least recognize it's there and it's a real science and it answers a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. And even like if you start doing stuff like with even physics and biomechanics like basic biomechanics you can test out in the weight room you know it's like if you just looked at it and you've never done it and you don't have a very good understanding of biomechanics you'd be like yeah uh double kettlebell front squat well i should be able to pick up 232s and do a bunch of reps with that yeah strong person can with you know lots of experience but if you just looked at the weight of that what about 140 pounds You'd be like, ah, that's easy. I'm like, eh, it's a lot harder than you think because you've got these large mass out in front of you and you're, mm-hmm. it's a different position than even a front squat because they're not on a friggin' bar. You yeah. know, so just stuff that you kind of take for granted that is, is simple, yeah, many times mm-hmm. gets lost. <laughs> yep. And even just using simple things like that to explain things. Yeah. You know, using basics. You know, like when I take people at seminars and it's like just teaching them like how their body works. And like if you grab a sledgehammer at the end of the handle or you choke up on the handle, feel the difference. Your body's not that much different in the Mm -hmm. movement patterns we want you to do. And that can make them click. Oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, if you start thinking yourself as part of a machine or a machine as a whole and and how you're loading that thing. So it, it, it allows you to transfer things to the layperson much easier and take these complex ideas and make them you know put them on the street but so. yeah and it's i mean i've done i taught anatomy and physiology for a while and then i've done you know like three weeks of just you know fresh tissue human dissection through tom meyer's program and it's just it's always incredibly fascinating to me to see how humans are so similar but yet so different right mm-hmm. it's like yeah most of the muscle locations are going to be where we expect but the insertions the size of the muscles themselves granted some of the people have been training some of them have not some have had different diseases etc um even like when i worked in the cardiac uh, division for a medical device company we were trying to map and put little leads wires in the heart on the left side which historically up to that point hadn't been done and just the venous system of the heart. Like you would think, we should have a pretty good idea of what that is. No clue. Mm. Like the <laughs> amount of variability in that is crazy, right? Because just deoxygenated blood has to get back. So you're not as tightly controlled. And I remember once we were watching, I was in the, the lab, and they stick these little wires in, and they run them down into the heart. And so we're watching the floral, which is just this fancy x-ray. And we see the wire go into what looks like the left lung. And I'm watching all of it, and the whole room just stopped. And I'm looking at the monitor on the patient, and I'm expecting, like, all hell to, like, break loose, like, any second. And, like, all the the stats and everything were stable. I'm like, what? And then the physician who was in, the EP, is like, oh, he must have what's called a persistent left main. 
meaning the patient has an extra vessel that runs down at a weird place. And because <laughs> you're looking at it in 2D, it runs either in front or behind the lung. Behind the lung, yeah. Yep. So in 2D, it looks like you just stabbed him in the lung. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, um, boy. But yeah, you see weird stuff like that. I saw one case of uh, dextrocardia where the heart is literally flipped and rotated around to the other side. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff is, is rare, but, yeah. you know, given enough people, you see it. So, yeah. I mean, you always see, like, people that don't look like they should lift a certain amount, lift huge weight, mm -hmm. and sometimes they haven't even been training that much. You're like, wow, you must have some really nice insertion points, or something's mm -hmm. crazy with your nervous system, you know? Yeah. You're absurdly, you know, fast twitch or something. Yeah. 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 So, um, but I think it's useful for people listening to, to... It's taken me years to figure out to kind of respect whatever differences your body has. And, yeah, there's a place for physics of the most efficient bar path via physics for powerlifting. But that doesn't mean that's going to be best for your for you. anatomy at that point. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, I, my deadlift now looks a little bit more similar to yours, where it's crazy duck foot out, like heels, almost mm. touching, looks ridiculous. But I'm like, oh, yeah. but I can get my femurs behind the bar now and pull back instead of feeling like yeah. I'm constantly pulling around my knees the whole time. Yeah. Yep. Looks crazy, but feels great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was like when I was out of Elite FDS a few weeks ago, and Dave was, I, I was deadlifting after we squatted, and he's just kind of staring at me. <laughs> and I don't know, I got up to 585 or something. He comes over, he's like, What's your best pull? I was like, Just under eight. He's like, Thought so. He said, I was going to come over and I was going to come over and teach you how to deadlift when I first saw you warming up, but he said, Because what you do is totally fucking wrong for anybody else. He said, But you're doing exactly what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah oh, thanks you know and it's like just don't teach anybody else to do it that way and that's the hard, the hard part of me as a teacher and it's like as a coach yeah like when i'm at my own facility i just have to tell my people like you can't watch me and try and do that yeah not how i squat not how i deadlift i am not i am nowhere near an anatomical human being at this point yeah <laughs> you know? i'm way off the spectrum and uh you know it's just learning how to i had to learn different things for my new build and and how i can keep going but yeah and that works with everybody in in certain ways and that's i try and give that at seminars too it's just especially because usually at most every seminar let's say you got 25 30 people you're gonna have two people that are polar opposites mm -hmm. you know, you're gonna have one guy or a girl with really short arms and legs and one with really long and you know long torso and blah blah, blah. and it's just i try and pick them out and say here look and this is why you know, and these are outliers, but you guys all fall somewhere in here. And yes. That's why, that's why, you know, some people, there's whole books written on it. Like, this is the one way to squat. Everybody has to do it this way. And we all know an old cantankerous bastard that says that. Uh, <laughs> name. But uh, it just doesn't He's work written a couple of books. <laughs> it just, in the real world, that's, it sounds awesome. But uh, it's just not there. There are a set of rules, but you have to be ready to break them for the individual. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I've even realized that lately on my uh, safety squat. So for quite a while, I was doing it with more of the, the handles down. 
-hmm. And I'm like, in theory, that should be a little bit better, right? Because of the camber, the bar, you're actually pushing the weight, you know, back a little bit more, not out in, mm -hmm. in front. But as I got heavier, it just kept feeling worse and worse. And my you know, progress just kind of stalled out. So one day I'm like, well, maybe I should just play with a different hand position. And I put the handles almost up. So at the bottom, they're almost parallel, which is actually mm -hmm. pushing the camber more closer to oh, kind of like a front squat. Mm -hmm. um, which in theory via physics should be harder because you've got a change in that lever arm. But for whatever reason, it just felt better. I'm like, oh, yeah. it feels better. I can do more volume now. I'm not as beat up. Oh, look, I can make progress faster. And yeah. in my case, it's like I'm not doing it to win any competitions. I actually want the no. transfer of it, you know. So, yep. oh, why didn't I think of that sooner? <laughs> yeah. So... All right. Well, I'm going to get in. I lost my mono lift. Oh, what borrowed. happened? It's being borrowed for a meet. Oh, so okay. it, it's forcing me to, in the meet I'm doing, we have to walk out of a combo rack. So I'm going to start practicing oh. that today. You're doing walkouts today? Yeah, so I'm doing forced, forced practice. I walk out most of the time on the mono lift anyways, but it's just still, it's like, I don't know, it's like my whoopee. <laughs> <laughs> it's where I like to squat. And I honestly, which we were talking about this the other day, totally off topic, but I wish... Just for the reason of safety, I wish every powerlifting federation would have went to the monolift years ago. It just makes sense because you, you can have safety from straps. a safety standpoint. That would just yes. be like a no-brainer. Just for the fact right? that you can have safety straps. It's right. like, you know, you're going to stop a lot of catastrophic injuries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and but I don't know. It's cheating. It's it's not good. It's cheating. You don't have to walk it out. It's like, oh, good Lord. So, no. I mean, you could literally have people adjust the monolift a little bit. And yeah. you can make it where you can still walk out. Right. Um, and have straps. But anyways, another, yeah. another deal. But yeah, going to go I mean, in there and try and hit some heavier singles. And nice. I just look goes. at these like walked out like super heavy squats and you look at the spotters and you go, I don't care if you have three people that are spotting. If something bad happens, you're done. Those people you're are done. not yes. going to catch and that amount of weight. They're just not. No. <laughs> and when something catastrophic happens, it happens in a fraction of a second. Exactly. You know, and I'm sorry, their reaction time isn't going to do it. No. And you're just going to be crushed. Yep. You know? And that's the number one, like, I wish they were just standard equipment at meets. But yeah, uh, just for lifter safety. But yeah, so. anyway. I always thought that was weird. Like people do all their practice, like practice in a, in a rack or, you know, lift set up where you're safe. And then you go to a meet and it's like just Bob and his buddy on the other end of the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, Cool. All right, everybody. Until next week. All righty. See ya.